Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. going to go ahead and turn to, I did not give you this, Brother George, Galatians 5 and 22 is where we're going to get our text from, and I'll just read it. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And I'm going to stop right there. Those are the two things I'm going to talk about today, peace and long-suffering. Let's just pray real quick. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for church tonight. God, thank you for your body. We love you, Jesus. We ask you to just give us wisdom, Lord, and to just help us, anoint us, Lord, and to understand and to take this and apply it to our lives, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name, have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I noticed um, that I'm on the wrong place. Um, The first thing I noticed is peace, which is the first thing that we're going to talk about, is in sharp contrast with the aforementioned works of the flesh. If you read a little bit earlier in that same chapter, it talks about the works of the flesh, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, envyings, and murders. All of that does not have peace. It's against, it's in sharp contrast to the fruit of the spirit we call peace. So peace comes from a Greek word, irene, um, and it's, I got three definitions. I got a fourth one. The fourth one makes sense to me because I I invented the fourth one. The first three were a little hard, but uh, a state of national tranquility. Okay, I got that. Security, safety, prosperity, and felicity. I have to do a little digging on those words. Um, The third one is this, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whosoever, whatsoever sort it is. And now I put it in my own words, my own simple English, peace no matter what comes. Amen. It's, that's what peace is, is you can trust God no matter what comes. So peace is used 90 times in the New Testament. And then if we add the Old Testament, there's about 310 more times that peace is used. So a total of 400 times in the Bible do we see the word peace, whether in Greek or in Hebrew. Right? We know the word shalom. Irene is usually identified with the Hebrew word shalom. Um, A commentator put it like this. He said, peace is the tranquil serenity of the heart that comes of all the pervading consciousness that our times are in the hands of God. It's a peace that the the Bible says passeth understanding. Amen. I noticed that the fruit of the spirit, uh, that this fruit of the spirit that we had mentioned before, um, are just very dependent on God. And I, and I thought about that, and I'm like, well, that's a shocker. It's the fruit of the Spirit, right? <laughs> so it's supposed to depend on God. So <laughs> I thought that was deep, but it really wasn't. It was kind of dumb. But I left it in my notes because I was like, weird, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so it's no surprise that the Bible calls God a God of peace. Right. See, in Judges 6.24, it says this. 
I'm going to wait for Brother George. It said, Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet an Ophrah of the Abiezrites. Gideon calls him Jehovah is my peace. But if you read the story, he's living in a time when Israel is under bondage from the Midianites. They're going on seven years of bondage and mistreatment from these people. The Bible says that they would come up when it was time to, to pick up the harvest. They would come up and fill the land as grasshoppers. And they would encamp against them and take all their food and their cattle, leaving them in just poverty. The people, the Bible says, started to dig caves to hide their stuff in, dens and strongholds. They had to hide things to be able to survive. That does not sound like a time of peace. But yet, even in a time like this, Gideon has an encounter with God. Isn't it surprising that an encounter, isn't it awesome that an encounter with God can give you so much peace? Nothing had changed in his situation. The only thing that had changed was simply that he had met with God. Amen. <laughs> he builds an altar. Gideon builds an altar and calls it Jehovah Shalom. It means Jehovah is my prosperity. It does not sound like he's in prosperity if they're all in poverty. It does not sound like they're, they have welfare and quietness, peace. In the land, tranquility and contentment. Matter of fact, he starts talking to God and he says, uh, you left us. You know, and he starts you know, telling God all the wrong things that he's done as if God already did not know. Right? And God just kind of like ignores all of that and says, hey, I'm going to use you. And he gives him a word. He was not yet living. Gideon was not yet living in that peace. But the presence of God gave him peace. The encounter with God gave him peace. So it is no surprise that Isaiah calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, well, we already know it's a, it's a great uh, verse that we use a lot for Christmas. For unto us as a child, child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And what? The last one. The Prince of Peace. Amen. Wherever he comes, his peace rules. Amen. Paul calls him the God of Peace in Romans 15 and 33. I'm going to read that. Uh, <coughs> it says, Now the God of Peace be with you all. Everybody say amen. amen. <laughs> and then in Philippians 4 and 9, uh, Paul also calls him the God of Peace. In his letter... Um, to the Thessalon second letter to the Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 16 he says this now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means yeah. um, I don't know about you but he never runs out of peace amen right. he's never short on peace Every time that I go to him in need of peace, he can still provide peace, no matter how hard it is and tell you what these last couple of months have been have been uh, a little hard 
um, for both of us. And, and we ask for peace. And God has given us peace in this church. God has given us peace in our prayers. God has given us peace in our worship here. We just feel so at home. And sometimes we don't tell you everything. We don't go and share everything. But I, we've been in services where we just needed a touch from God. And your worship and the God that we serve just begins to come into this place, into our situation. And peace flows over our lives. So, now, whatever Jesus says is pretty important, right? Yeah. Amen. All right. So, what does Jesus have to say about peace? In John 14 and 27, he says this. Um, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Everybody say, my peace. My peace. And then he says, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, he, Jesus says peace, not just any type of peace, any kind of old peace, but it's his peace, peace that comes from God. It's not, it's not like the world gives. It's not temporary. It doesn't depend on circumstances. It depends on him. He's able to give it just because he's God. Amen. He can give you that peace. The situations don't have to be right. The problems don't have to be fixed. Money don't have to be in the bank. Everything doesn't have to be right. And you can still have peace with God. Amen. So <coughs> this peace, the peace, Jesus says, I give you is such of such nature that the smiles of this world cannot give it. nor the frowns of the world can take it away. No matter what comes, when he gives us peace in our situation, we can stand on his word and have that peace. Yes. Amen. No matter how impossible the situation or how hurtful the situation we've experienced. Did anybody know what I'm talking about? That he can still give us peace. Amen. It's not the same as, as the peace of this world. The peace that this world gives is temporal and dependent. On something, but God's peace is never ending, and its source is an all powerful God, not a situation. Right. Amen. That was a good place for an amen. Sorry, amen. you gotta tell me if I'm doing good. <coughs> amen. Um, Goodness, it allows our hearts, it, it, it allows our hearts to not be troubled right. and not be afraid. No matter what comes. Amen. And I know I've been in situations, and I guess I use myself because I know myself, um, where peace is not easy to have. Trouble is easy to have. Fear is easy to have. But yet I come into his presence, and all of that goes away. Amen. <laughs> John 16 and 33 says this, These things I have spoken unto you that in me, in me, he says, in me, not in anybody else, not in any situation. He says, in me, you might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. See, he, it's not a shocker that we have tribulation. Jesus already told us that 2,000 and some years ago. So don't be surprised that think bad things happen to good people. Amen. But he's still able to help us. Amen. <clears throat> so speaking to his disciples about the coming persecution and his departure, his death, he makes this statement. He says that in me, you might 
have peace. All of this will come. All of this hurt will come. You will, you, I will be dead for three days, but on the third day, I will rise up. Yeah. You will feel like you have no hope. Like the people that went to the road in, the road in Emmaus, they had no hope. They said they killed them. They ran away. Peter and the disciples, they wanted to go back to fishing. Right, Jesus wasn't around no more, but then an encounter with Jesus gave them peace that lasted until their death. And they were able to preach the gospel everywhere they went because they had the peace that only God can give. He says, this world will give you tribulation and trouble and vexation and persecution. But his peace says, my God is greater than this world. Amen. Doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter the problem. His peace is still able to overcome. Amen. Ephesians 2. Is this all right? Is a, lot, a pastor always does like 15 million scriptures. So I figured that's what you wanted. <clears throat> so... Um, Brother Brom said you could take about an hour in each, so no, <laughs> I'm kidding. That's a lie. <coughs> okay. Ephesians 2, 12 through 17 says this, that at the time you were without Christ, who remembers when you didn't follow Jesus? He says you're being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope. <clears throat> And without God in the world. Anybody been there? No hope. No God. No peace. Amen. I've been there. I wasn't born in this. 14 years ago, Jesus came into my life and I've never been the same. Amen. There is peace in my life. Verse 13 says, but now in Christ. Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, see now we're in Jesus, amen, are made, anybody been baptized? Anybody received his spirit? Amen. Now we're in Jesus and, and who sometimes were afar off were made nigh by the blood of Christ. See, without Christ, we're aliens and strangers. We had no part. We had no hope without a God in this world. And this is why we could not have peace. We had no reason for hope. We had no Jesus. Verse 13 says, but now his blood made a way. Amen. Verse 14 <coughs> says, for he is our peace. Amen. Isn't that great? He's not just our God, but he's our peace. He gives us everything. He's our all in all. Amen. Um, I was going to say something, but never mind. Um, who being, says, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Next verse. Says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make himself twain one man, so making peace. Verse 16. Says, and that he might reconcile. He reconciled us unto himself. Yeah both unto God in one body by the cross. His sacrifice made it possible for us to have that peace. It says, having slain the enmity thereby, nothing can stand in our way now. He has made a way. And came and he preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. I'm so glad that somebody knocked on my door 
as when I was when I was 12, 13 years old, and they told me about Jesus. And they kept coming back, even if my parents didn't want them there. <laughs> I didn't understand anything they were saying, but there was just something about this man. said, I just got to listen. Yeah. Amen. His sacrifice made peace, and he reconciled us to God and gave us a never-ending hope. Finally, in Paul's words uh, to the Colossian church, um, at verse, chapter 3, verse 15, he says, let the peace of God rule yes. in your hearts. And the second part is probably my favorite. It says, to the which also you're called in one body. I can have peace. That is a promise that I can have peace from God, that he called me to peace, that I don't have to be... Uh, <coughs> Worrying that I don't have to have all this trouble. I can trust him. And yes, when it comes, that's natural. But I can still have peace in him. <clears throat> so, I'm about half done. Um, <clears throat> we're going to do long suffering. We're going to go into long suffering. A commentator put it like this. If God had been a man... He could have taken his hand and wiped out this world long ago. But God has that patience which bears with all our sinning and which will not cast us off. He will never give up on me. He will never give up on you. In our lives and in our attitude to and dealing with our fellow men, we must reproduce this loving forbearing, forgiving, <clears throat> patience, attitude of God toward ourselves. Yeah. Amen. I couldn't have said it better myself. <clears throat> um, it's, it, it, when I first heard the word long-suffering, I heard it in, in Spanish and I didn't understand. So thank God for KJV, um, English. <clears throat> but I was in the same boat. Uh, long suffering. I was like, does that mean you suffer long? Um, and as a new convert, <clears throat> I wasn't a big fan of that because <clears throat> he said that we have to suffer long. And I, it wasn't until I actually looked up the definition that I understood, okay, <clears throat> it doesn't mean that you just suffer long. It just, it, it, we'll get to the definition, okay? <clears throat> Don't let me get ahead of myself. So the word occurs 17 times in the Bible. 13 of those times is in the New Testament. Amen. And I won't even try to pronounce it in Greek because that's hard. <clears throat> but in Exodus 34 and 6, I want you to see this. this. You remember the story of Moses? Moses wanted to see God and, and, and God said, no, you can't do that, but I'll put you in a rock, cover you, and you'll see my hinder parts, all that stuff. And then this is what it says. It says <clears throat> in Exodus 34, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. See, God calls himself long-suffering. And I am glad for that. Amen. There's a, there's a word in Spanish, just to throw it out. I know that we all speak English, but um, coco, casa de coco, it means a coconut head, your heart. So I am glad because God is, is long-suffering to me because I got a hard head, amen? And I, it takes me a while to learn, 
and I'm so glad that he's patient with me. The definition is patient and slow to anger. Slow to anger. See, usually when it's used in the Old Testament, he couples it with words such as gracious and great mercy, abundant in goodness and plenteous in mercy. He's such a good God. Amen. All of that describes who he is to me. All of that describes who he is to you. Amen. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He's a good God and plenteous in mercy. See, in the New Testament, its Greek counterpart means literally long to anger. Now, I am not like Jesus. I try. But um, I'm pretty good at being patient at work. Sometimes people just push you past your limits. Amen. And and this is where long-suffering comes in. Patience, endurance, perseverance, forbearance, slowness in avenging wrong. Uh, The the two things that I think of when I think of long-suffering now that I know what it means, there's two things. Uh, The first one is uh, work meetings. (laughs) We will talk about that. And uh, the second one is road rage. Um, I put, I wasn't going to do this, but I put it in my notes. I was reading through my notes. God has no road, this is me. God has no road rage. Dot, dot, dot. Not, at least not right away. (laughs) Suffers long, and then you get like Noah's flood. Okay? So, those two things I, I think of, um, and, and I guess I'll go back to, do you have road rage, Pastor? No, okay, good. What about your wife? No, nobody? Okay, never mind. <clears throat> Let's leave that for another time. Um, anybody have road rage? Hey. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> it's not Jesus-like. <laughs> um, I don't have road rage. However, never, no, never mind. So work meetings. Let's go back to work meetings. <clears throat> You've been in boring meetings, right? <clears throat> so not too long ago, I think it was last month, we had a quarterly meeting. And I had to sit through that. <clears throat> and I had to exercise my long suffering. Not only was their presentation 40 minutes long, talking about stuff that I did not care or understand. <clears throat> but then, Pastor, they proceeded to turn off the lights so that we could see the projector. They had no lighting in there. So my long suffering soon turned into a season of rest. <clears throat> and uh, about four minutes in, I could see people kind of like, Christian, wake up. And my boss got up and went to the back of the room. She couldn't tell. I mean, you basically do whatever you want. <clears throat> but she knows. It's dark. It's boring. Just get it over with. Get me to the food. And, and that's what I wanted to get to. So I finally, they, turned, they were ended, and I was like, I turned to the person next to me, and I said, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> they don't go to church, but I literally I said, praise him. It's over. Praise the Lord. <laughs> They looked at me and they just laughed. And I was like, I'm not kidding. So, 
That's what it reminds me of, long-suffering. And maybe it's not doctrinally correct or not biblically. I can't get, you know, a, a, a chapter and a verse in the Bible, but it kind of gives you an idea how my brain works. Amen. Meetings and road rage. It's not long-suffering. Amen. <clears throat> so Romans 2 and 4, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he writes to this inexcusable man who continued in his sin unrepentant. And Paul tells him God's long-suffering can lead him to repentance. It says, Oh, despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The Bible tells us that he's not a God that sits on the throne ready to strike us down at our first mistake. Man, am I glad that he does not do that. I would be gone a long, long time ago. I remember when I would watch cartoons back in the day, and, and they would portray God as a man sitting, you know, white hair, white robe, sitting up, up high and striking people down when they made mistakes. God does not do that. Through his forbearance, his long-suffering, he brings us back to right standing with him. And I am glad that his long suffering shows me his love. Amen. It shows me that he is our loving creator that will move heaven and earth to bring us close to him. It shows me this, that he is on our side. Amen. Whenever I think about the cross... It makes me just think of this. He didn't have to. He had everything. He's on the throne, Pastor. He doesn't have to come down to earth. He doesn't have to get dirty. He doesn't have to be around us and people who are sinful people. He doesn't have to do any of that. But yet he chose to robe himself in flesh and come down for a people that did not deserve him. But yet he loved us. Yet he, he, he had forbearance with us. He long suffered with us. Peter puts it like this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. But is long suffering to us word. Not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. See I went to high school in Owatonna. And I remember coming across people. Who were my, uh, my peers. Who were students with me. <coughs> And they would tell me, how do you still believe that Jesus is still going to come back? You've been saying that for over 2,000 years, and he hasn't shown. Right. He, they would start to tear me down and say, why do you even believe in the Bible? It's an outdated book. It's all this and that. But you know what? The same love that God has for me who follows him is the same love that he has for them who want nothing to do with him. Because he's a long-suffering God, and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. <coughs> now, am I doing good on time? I think so. Okay. All right, so there's an old story in Genesis. <clears throat> Anybody ever read about Noah? A really old guy who built the boat. <laughs> yeah. So see, Noah, think of Noah. He's living in a world with thousands of people 
living a sinful life. Noah, God, the Bible says, God saw the wickedness of man was great. And he says this, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Noah understands where we live. Amen. He knows the kind of world we live in. We live in this exact world. Wickedness, imaginations, evil thoughts, our heart. Maybe not the church, but the world, the heart of this world is just stained with sin. And they have no hope. And Genesis 6 and 6 says this. This this verse gets me. It says, and it repented the Lord that he had made one man, made man on the earth. That doesn't mean he made a mistake. The next part of the verse tells us what that means. It says, and it grieved him at his heart. That is a sad place to be where you make your God sad. But I've been told that every time that I sin against him, I can, harm, I can hurt his heart. That's what I was told on Sunday school. And, and, I re, and I remember that, and it makes me sad that his creation has that power to make his heart sad. The Bible says, you know the story of Noah, that <clears throat> Noah was building it and you know, it, it just says that it took a long time. I think it's like a hundred years, something like that. And, and, and nobody else was saved out of those hundreds or those thousands of people that lived on the earth. Not one of them listened to Noah. The long suffering, First Peter 3 and 20 says, the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein a few, that is eight souls were Saved by water. He suffered long for those eight souls. For those many years that the ark was being prepared. It's kind of like he's suffering long while, he, while we wait for his coming. Amen. So people can come into his church. Amen. That's what he's doing. The same long suffering he had in the days of Noah. Is the same long suffering that he has now. Because God does not change. He endured the pain in his heart so that those eight people could be saved. Those eight people. He endures the pain of today with, I think it's like eight billion people in this world. Not all of them are following God. Not all of them know Jesus, but yet he bears the pain he bears the long suffering because he loves his church. Amen. It's just a beautiful reminder of what Calvary means to us. Amen. That he didn't have to do it, but yet he did do it. Amen. One time, uh, uh, a preacher told me that there's only one thing in heaven that is man-made. And I said, well, I don't, what is that? He said, the nail scars in his hand. And that hit me because of me. His hands are marred. Because of us, his hands are marred. But then you think about it, he let himself go through that because he loved us. Nobody, there's an old song that says, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. 
There's no other friend. Anybody know? Like he. Nobody ever cared for me like Jesus. His long-suffering is his love towards me. That even when I was not walking right with God, Sophia, even when I wasn't walking right with God, he reached down for me. He helped me. He brought me. Even though I have no pedigree, even though I have no degree, he went into the trash and where I was, and he took me out 14 years ago, and he's kept me. His long-suffering and his good to me. He's a good God, amen? I woke anybody? Anybody sleeping? Woke you up, right? <clears throat> That's funny, by the way, when you do that, when the preacher goes, yeah, and somebody wakes up. <coughs> All right, I better get back on track. So one last example for you. We're going to talk about Paul. 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 16. <clears throat> it says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Anybody thankful? Who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful. This is Paul speaking. Putting me into the ministry. Verse 13. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy. Does anybody here know what mercy feels like in your life? Amen. Coming to an altar and knowing that he will forgive you. Coming to an altar knowing that you can walk changed. Amen. That you can leave different. See, that's the power of, our, of this message that, you, you know, it doesn't, when I think about it, you know, it's a carpenter that came and, and he died and three days later he resurrected. And, and it's like to people who are studied, it doesn't make no sense. But to us, it makes sense. He resurrected the third day so that we could be with him. Amen. <laughs> because I did it ignorantly. Verse 14 says, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith. And love which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. <coughs> this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. I think that's how you say that word. That Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Of whom I am chief. See when I, <clears throat> when I read that verse for the first time. Um, I was like Paul I don't think you know what you're talking about. That verse belongs to me because I know where I've been, but he's been good to me. And Paul can say that. The greatest missionary the world has ever known calls himself the chief of sinners. Amen. Verse 16 says this, how be it for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Christ Jesus might shew forth all longsuffering. For a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. If it wasn't for the long suffering of God in Paul's life, we wouldn't have, wouldn't have had the greatest missionary in the world walk through all of Asia Minor. We wouldn't have had a Paul to write over half the New Testament if it wasn't for his long suffering. But God loved a mean know-it-all, hateful, blasphemer, murderer that we now call Paul. Yeah. Right. Who do you have in your neighborhood yeah. 
that could be the next Paul? Who do you have in your job that could be the next Peter? Who do you have in your school that could be the next preacher, the next leader for peace heaven, the next youth pastor, the next missionary? Who do you have? It's <coughs> Lastly, this has happened to me, and that's why I wanted to share it. The fruit of the Spirit, this um, long-suffering, at times, I have forgotten it. Once, you know, you repent, you baptize in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost, all that. <laughs> Whew, great. But then sometimes we forget where he brought us from. And I have done that. So I say to myself and to you, let's not forget to be forgiving. Let's not forget to be understanding. I have, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I remember, uh, I'm, I'm real, I'm real. Like this is a long time ago. And I remember bringing one of my family members to church. And I was more concerned about the way that they looked than them having a connect with Jesus. And I missed the point because they didn't look like me they didn't talk like me they didn't act like me see I missed the point and then they went on to hate the church because they saw that they saw that the closest friend that they had in the church me I had let them down but I am glad to tell you that long suffering has been growing in me that peace has been growing in me and that the spirit has been changing me and I have been able to teach Bible studies to this person and they said I don't know what you got but I want that that's what they you would have never believed that this person would have said that but because God taught me to forgive God taught me to be understanding and to never lose a longing for souls See, we cannot lose that. Wherever we are at, we have to think about the people. It doesn't matter if there are noisy neighbors that keep us up all night. They still need Jesus. Amen. It doesn't matter if it's the someone at work that you, you, you just can't stand. They still need Jesus. The long suffering that God has put in us is able to flow through us and, may, and bring many people to repentance. So never lose that longing for souls and Let's never forget to love like he did, like he loved me. Amen. He suffered long, and he's given me peace. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen, Amen. Pastor. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.